Hello everybody, and welcome to the Technical Area, your weekly football manager podcast, brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Grima, once again. It's beta time. We have left the FM20 era behind. The world is now moving to the FM21 era. The community are embracing everything that FM21 could bring, that FM21 can bring, when the polished version arrives on our PCs on Tuesday, on our Xboxes on the 1st of December, on our mobile devices on the 1st of December, and I presume our PC, our uh, tablets and the like for, for touch on the 1st of December as well, though. I have I'm willing and open to be proven wrong there and corrected. So please, if I am, let me know. Because I will be keen to get that going on the iPad. Because potentially a busy year that I might need to rely a little bit on touch again. But who knows. But anyway, back to FM21. Twitter has been a fantastic place over the last couple of weeks. I, I, I just haven't got the time to dedicate to Slack, and I know Slack is a fantastic place as well. I just wish that I had more time to be able to, you know, dedicate to conversations on Slack and the like. But seeing the enjoyment, the information, the research, the, the you know, the ideas, what's working, what's not working, the pain, the suffering of people going through bad runs of form, and the people scoring wonder goals, it's really, really great, and the excitement that's there that. The beta delivers, even though it's bug-ridden and bumpy, but of course we'll talk about a little bit more about that a little bit later on as well. Elsewhere, of course, the exclusive FMFC is up and running, and it seems to be an interesting place to monitor. So between the, the news on the Football Manager website, the byline FMFC, it's interesting to see how Football Manager you know, integrates and develops all that content. Is it going to go into one place over on FMFC? Then of course there's plenty of content coming from outside of the SI buildings as well, from the community. And even now from the likes of The Athletic joining the party with their own FM podcast, hosted by Ian McIntosh, of course. The man who wrote those football manager books you probably have read at some point or other in the past. So how have I found the beta? Well... In terms of save updates, like I've done bits and pieces. I think like everyone, some people have gone 10, 20 seasons in. I'd say 30 seasons, I think I saw some. For me, well, I just messed around a little bit. I played pre-season with Atlanta. And that was just to try and get to, to grips with what could be a challenging save in the MLS because the mechanics there will prove to be difficult with squad building. There are already some unhappy players from the, the get-go. But I've enjoyed kind of piecing together a tactic, a formation, blend. I've had some promising results in the friendlies. I've been able to kind of suss out what players would be interested in coming to the club. And, you know, the mechanics involved in selling players then as well. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, starting afresh with the, the full fat version with this research all done. And, you know, obviously things that worked in the beta won't necessarily work in the full version. So I'll just be, you know, adapting on the fly. But I'm delighted that I've given myself kind of this platform to work from. But I've also done pre-season with Liverpool just simply because I want to enjoy managing those players, managing the talent the club has. And like, oh my, oh my, what a baller Thiago is in that new match engine. SI talked about players 
making intelligent passes in the final third. We're, we're going to see more through balls and defence playing passes. And Thiago, wow. I've, his passing in the final third, his passing into the final third, has made me feel things that I've never felt playing FM before. And I know, of course, there's the bias of being a Liverpool fan and signing Thiago, but let me have my moment, please. Things aren't feeling too great around the place now with all these injuries, but still. Wow, what a player Thiago is in the FM match engine. It's kind of looking at him now and seeing after selling him last year in FM20, I'm kind of regretting it now at Bayern. But finally then, I've completed another pre-season, this time with Shelbourne, and that was done unplanned and it was just out of sheer anger and frustration at the collapse you've probably seen me tweeting about this all weekend the collapse of the club following the resumption of the season in july where we started in fourth with two wins and two defeats from our first four games not bad for a promoted side then we don't win a match for a couple of months when we come back i don't think we scored more than two goals in any game we end up in a relegation playoff which we then lose completely without any heart without any spirit anything shown in that game so last Sunday we were relegated back to the first division next year compounding you know another reason why 2020 will be a year many will look to move past very quickly so although the club now play in the first division when you load up football manager 21 and you start at the end of 2020 to start at 2021 because the league is a calendar year um Shells are in the Premier Division. So any temptation to uh, return home and start managing there from the outset, we'll have to wait until the winter update drops, until that data can be reconfigured. And possibly it will be reconfigured out of box. Because it'd be a very, very simple process, I can imagine, in changing teams' divisions there. But I wonder if it definitely be attribute drops. And then, of course, you have to go through the squad building that the winter brings and in Ireland as well. In terms any of the, the feature blogs, look, we're all seeing the bits and pieces, but we're all kind of just spending this time. I know most people are exploring the new game, so there's nothing really to, 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 to say here other than what's been said in these places. But this podcast is episode 47, and it's been called The Beta, The Data, and The Haters. Simply because we're going through the beta. The data seems to be one of the key proponents, key ex- aspects of well, manager 21 and of course there's always the haters out there and we do have to acknowledge them they're a part of our community so why not you know discuss a little bit of the hate that's going on for fm21 that's out there so in terms of the fm21 beta what's going on well of course it's been on the go over a week now and you know i think the majority of the community has only got positive things to say the understanding that this is a beta, the understanding that this is not a finished product, that there's a lot of bugs and issues that, you know, pop up on a regular occasion with other versions of Football Manager in the past that they do need to be ironed out. But overall, I think, you know, the community has really taken to what we have on the go really, really well. And it was something even I asked the community, I put the tweet out there this morning just before we kind of came into, before I started up the recording, I said, look, FM21 beta, how are, how are things going? What are your thoughts on it? Have you been impressed by it? And 71% of course have been impressed by the beta. Um, FM Stag says, bunch of UI bugs need smoothing out. Obviously like the XG mismatches between the shot map and the result box. 
uh, conceded an XG against game backwards on the team analysis octagon, passing combinations, lines, missing, etc. But biggest data issue is a genuine one. And of course, the link there to chances created abnormally low, but low only in the leagues where um, there is a human manager managing. So that's an interesting observation there from FM Stag. But that being said, of course, you do have to add the new concepts are great. And when they iron out the gremlins, it's going to be a massive improvement. And it's a thumbs up for me. FM Tahiti, even going as well to add to say basically everything that FM Stag has said. It's got some kinks there. Some small, some a bit bigger. But if they get fixed that wise, it'll be the best FM. And I have to agree. We're really, really looking at an exciting time of football manager. We're looking at it evolving into something really special. Because the match engine is so exciting. We're seeing curls, we're seeing dinks, we're seeing through balls galore. It's unbelievable to watch at times. How buttery smooth it's running as well. Some people are even saying, is it too easy? Well, I've had a number of big wins. I'd like to think that's because I'm a great manager. But Then, of course, some people are finding it difficult when they get into the season, when they get into the, the big games to matter. I've seen a couple of people putting out the screenshots of where they have a number of games to save their jobs. So It just seems to be that so far with FM21 and the beta, it, it is what it seems to be. However, of course, there are some really, really interesting topics of conversation going on everywhere about all aspects of the game. The skin, I like the deep purple. I think it's really nice. There's a clash, though, of course, with some of the colours. When I load up at Atlanta, it just it does not look well because of the shade of red that Atlanta wear. So I'm interested to see, you know, what what aspects that some of the skins can bring. I used the Renzi skin when I got the gaming laptop last year, and I don't think I can ever go back to the vanilla skin on FM after on FM21 after what what Renzi skin had in FM21. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the community develops skin wise. Of course, people are sharing views as well, so they're very useful to see what you know could be brought into the game. Tactics, role suit ability is obviously not on the grid. So when you line up the players and you're looking at the, the tactics board on the pitch, they're not there. But if you look at the screen selection, oh sorry, the, the selection information just on the right side of the screen, you do see the stars there. So it does remove the extra clicking in there. So but like that, it would just be handy to have a you know, it all, all in one place, all in one screen, like we, we, we've had in years gone past. Though. I know some people are kind of saying it's nice to see that go. Recruitment meeting is nice. I like it. It's a bit more of a formal scouting meeting that draws in, you know, information from multiple areas of the club. So you're bringing in the director of football, you're bringing in the chairman, you're involving uh, the chief scout and the director of football. And you obviously then, like, you can change the short-term scouting. For. So it's, it's a great little place that everything can happen in one place. But of course, then, I mean, if you go into the scouting section and you, and you can change things, it it would just like to be a bit more cohesive there, I suppose. Maybe have like you know what the dynamics are. You can call a team meeting that you could have. You could, that you could just call a scouting meeting, I suppose. Be a nice little addition there. You could do that as well. I just might have missed it. Agent availability is a nice and little realistic touch, I suppose. I think it's a little bit too easy. Is it potentially too easy that you're ringing up an agent and is there going to be backlash of you know agents leaking this to the media? I'm wondering, you know, going forward, what way that's going to work. I'd like to think that would work because obviously the agents could be the ones doing a lot of the leaking that such and such has looking at a player and that could bring with the social media thing, you know. Just give the game that extra level of realism. And then of course there's the UI. 
Now, I had a migraine the day, the 10th of um, November when the beta launched. So, I wasn't able to play the game. And it was, I loaded it up on the 11th and I had to turn it off. Obviously, I was still a bit rocky. I was still a bit rocky in the 12th. I was still a bit rocky last Friday. So, it wasn't until the weekend that I really was able to properly play. But that UI just... I, I found it was actually hurting my eyes. It was making my head feel a little bit bad. And you know, granted, as the week has gone on, I've recovered. It's not as bad. But yeah, I, I don't like the press conferences. I don't like the team talks. I just don't like that everything's... I, I don't know where to look. It's not in just in one place on the screen. I like the old way. The analysis tablet, I think, is great addition. You're, we're seeing so many managers now managing... Looking like you don't, you often see Solskjaer with the iPad in front of him. If you've seen any Ireland matches at the weekend over the last week, you'll have seen Damien Duff preparing substitutes with, I think it was Microsoft Surface, potentially in his hands there, a bit like what you see with the NFL teams using. Um, so I think it's really great. The passing map, though, I'm not particularly fond of, I think, because it's just a lump. You can't discern anything from it. So possibly, I think, right, like with the spaghetti maps, you see the players kind of, you'll see the movement of the players when they dribble, or their movement is on the pitch. I'd like to see that with the passing, that like it's a real quick kind of a, a gif or something like that, that, you know, can just display the passing. You, you can watch it layering up, you can watch the, 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 the overall kind of passing connections and passing combinations. Just really quick, throw it like that simple five second gif, even there. I like the player information at the bottom of the screen in the match. I think that's very, very useful. I think it's good because you can have a... Even when the you're watching the, the, the match engine play out, you're not watching the kind of the, the interval screens, the transition screens between highlights. I think it's really, really useful to have. I don't like the hearts. I'm not going to lie. And I prefer the numbers. And I know, like Miles has said, the numbers aren't realistic because a player might drop to, say, 60% fit but not be fatigued. So I, I, I just wonder where the, the, the justification for a heart. It, for me, I think it's just to have a cohesiveness across football manager, football manager touch, football manager Xbox edition, Switch edition, and mobile, that they'll all have these hearts instead of the numbers to make it a bit more graphically pleasing. The same with the thumbs for sharpness. I just think it's all just to have. I'm waiting now to see, like, like and I, of course, you've then got the smiley faces for the morale and the players body language as well on that kind of bar along the bottom so i think it's just about developing a cohesive look across all versions of football manager but i'm not gonna lie i i don't like it i prefer my numbers i like the little wheels i liked if it dropped the orange that i knew a player was tired or it was a yellowy green and so yeah i suppose the old ways can often be seen as the better ways but of course that's mine mine my own um these are my personal opinions. I'm not trying to force them on anyone. I'm not trying to argue and say they're right or they're wrong. But just for me, this is what I like with the game. And then, of course, the gestures. I prefer tone. But I can understand what Miles is saying. Look, you can use different gestures in different scenarios to have different outcomes. But I like just to talk calmly or passionately tell the fans we were great and we've won the league. And it's fantastic to be at this club and I'm delighted to be your manager. Instead of smiling warmly. and Because I'm a little bit unsure of. If I put my hands on my hips, am I berating my players? Am I assertively speaking to my players? Or am I looking at them with the head nod just in awe of them? I know the outstretched arms is praise, but 
suppose, you know, just that little bit of confusion that's there of trying to, you know, keep going those little kind of ways of playing that we've had, we've all developed over the past couple of years and we've all been playing football manager, even those people new to football manager, like, I suppose it's a big challenge for, for you as well, like, open up to all this and I would definitely recommend diving in at mobile or the free version of Touch that you get if you order through Steam or Epic just to, to get yourselves acquainted with what seems to be like a, you know, an evolving, very fast evolving game that's even mixing things up for the experienced diehard fans out there. The data then, of course, is obviously the big part. We've had some really interesting inputs there from FM Tahiti and FM Stag and the, everyone out there that just pressed the, 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 the votes up over on Twitter. So the data, of course, a couple of weeks ago, I did say I dedicated a pod to XG. I'm not going to dedicate a full pod, full pod but XG is going to going to take up a little bit of this next section because advanced metrics have come to FM. We've seen the data grow and evolve from previous versions. And now, of course, the headline edition in the data section is the addition of XG in FM21. Now, if you're not aware, FM Tahiti spoke about it last week on Grass and Gear. He's he'd have had developed an XG model, and I think a lot of people had done the same over previous editions. But now, what SI have gone and done is they've integrated XG into the interface of FM21. Now, while we're obviously going through the debate phase, and we've not yet seen a full and proper version of advanced metrics in FM21, it's an exciting and more detailed approach to FM that will allow us access you know, and analyze players. And matches and moments in greater detail than ever before. Now XG of course is the most popular. It's the one that ever has everyone talking. So for those unfamiliar with the concept. I'm going to go through just a little bit of what, what XG is. And what X, some of the models of XG. Because there's more than one way to calculate XG. Then of course we'll talk about how Football Manager and SI have calculated XG in game. Then just touch on some of the other data aspects that have come into the game as well. Now, if you want to look at where I got this information from, the links will be found down below in the episode notes. So go on, check them out yourself. Absolutely work away. What I've done here is like I've just taken like direct quotes from those websites down below. So for those unfamiliar or for those who are, you know, maybe, you know, aware of XG and not 100% certain of the, the fine details, expected goals known as XG in short, is a predictive model used to assess the likelihood of scoring for every shot that is made in a game. Now, Opted defines the expected goals metric as follows. Expected goals, XG, measures the quality of a shot based on several variables such as assist type, shot angle and distance from goal, whether it was a headed shot or whether it was defined as a big chance. Now, adding up a player or team's expected goals can give us an indication of how many goals a player or team should have scored on average, given the shots they have taken. So to put that in simple terms, XG is a value that tells us the probability of a shot likely to be converted into a goal. The closer the shot is to the goal, the higher the XG. The wider the angle from the goal, the lower the XG. So if you move further and wider away, it's a low XG. Take Papi's Cissé against Chelsea for Newcastle. That would have been an extremely low XG. 
then of course think of all those open goal misses. They'd be very high XG. Those top ins. For example, a penalty I think is 0.78. So, so for every shot, the XG model calculates the probability to score based on event parameters. So as you said, it's the location of the shot, the location of the assist, if it's a foot or head striking the ball, what is the assist type? Was there a dribble in the build-up of a field player or a goalkeeper immediately before the shot? Is it coming from a set piece? Was the shot a counter-attack or did it happen in transition? And what is the tagger? So that's the person analysing this shot what is their assessment of the danger of this shot now at the end of a game or during a game what you'll see can be quite simple where a player's tally of goals will be higher than the xg value and the reason this is it's taking into account that he has scored from a difficult positions and tight angles potentially so this also proves that these benchmarks can help us accurately judge the best among a certain pool of players because what we're trying to do here is attempt to quantify the qualitative aspects of a footballer to quantify the value and the quality of this shot and of this player if you see a chance that's described as having an xg rating of 0.35 that means a player would be expected to score from this chance 35 percent of the time a 1 in 3 chance. If a chance is described as a 0.5 xg, well, it should be scored 50% of the time and so on. Now, if you wanted a very, very detailed model of xg across different leagues, across different aspects, check out the website, they're linked below, understat.com. And that has all the top European leagues kind of broken down. And potentially could be a place for you to, you know, understand xg, but... Don't compare it to football manager. Don't compare it to that. If you're managing a team in the Bundesliga, in Liga or La Liga or the Premier League, that you'd look and say, well, this team's XG is 2.71. My XG is 0.78 or something like that. Understand that what SI have done is they've done something totally, totally different. So the XG models we've gone through are the real ones. But as football manager and SI, well, they've gone a different way. And if you want to read more, the links below will be to the FMFC article on analysis and stats in FM21. And then there's the features of the match day experience as well, piece on footballmanager.com. So what SI have done with XG is very simple. They've created their own system with the help of Sci Sports. So in Football Manager, the XG system is tailor-made to work with the FM match engine. And as FM Grasshopper said so well over on the Grass and Gear podcast, that's just down because it's a match engine and it's not real football. So this means that they can go into kind of different levels of detail and to take in different parameters when calculating XG in Football Manager that possibly might not be able to be done in real life. So in the Football Manager model, the XG considers the shooting player's distance from goal, the angle and speed of their shot, 
to determine XG. We've also accounted for the position of other players on the pitch relative to the shooting player too. So you're taking in the positioning of defensive players as well. So we're looking at a totally new model here. Something that's incomparable to real life. So you are measuring XG in Football Manager 21. You should only be comparing it to the XG of the other teams. It could be in similar leagues. could be in your own division. But just focus on what the XG is in FM21. It is a known bug that you cannot add XG to the squad view. You cannot see that stat there. It's a known bug. And SI, I think, have said that they will address this. So that on the full launch, when you are creating your own squad view on the squad screen, you can add XG in as one of the columns there. Now, to help you with your XG in Football Manager, performance analysts have come into the game. So instead of you just having data analysts, when you have a performance analyst and a recruitment analyst. So while the recruitment analyst will work with your scouting team, to identify and report back on transfer targets, a performance analyst will handle the analysis for everything related to your team, their matches, your opponents, and your players. They will also produce regular reports that break down your team's data. The data presentation in FM21 has also been given a new lick of paint with new ways to clearly show you relevant information. You will get a monthly data report now as well, to illustrate how you stacked up against the rest of the teams in your league and across a number of key areas over the previous month. General performance, shot map, defensive efficiency and attacking efficiency. This will come with along with a comment from your analysts summarising the data. The data. You'll get an end of season report then as well with these key metrics as well as a breakdown of how your actual performances compared to your expected performances including actual points versus expected points so if you've underperformed and your xg says you should have done better than you did you're going to feel even better but these stats are based on each team's xg performance across the season so if you're playing a team and you lose one nil they had you had 50 shots they had one you may all know the story their XG was very, very low, and your XG was very, very high. Of course, you're going to see that expected performance there on that end of season report. So it's just there to remind you as well, possibly of the times where, yeah, you should have done better. But look, that's football, as they say. Post match analysis and opposition reports have also been given a, you know, it, it, the more data driven, more data centered uh, refresh. So the opposition report will combine information from your scouts as well as your analysis team. While your post-match analysis will feature XG, expected goals, in a prominent place at the forefront from the analysts after each game. Making it easy for you to see where adjustments may need to be made. So what you're going to see is the data based on average position, heat maps and passing information especially as well. Player reports have also been... You know, again, we're we're seeing the data like driving up these aspects as well. So you see now a polygon of stats that are most relevant to their position and role, with a comparison polygon showing the other players in that role in the same competition. 
New stats as well have been added into the game. So on the defensive side, there's blocks, which is a track stat. Uh, clearances have been redefined and so that it'll be calculated more efficiently. Passes and clearances are now two totally different aspects as well. So you can see how effective your side is very, very clearly at disrupting the opposition attacks. We've also seen possessions won and lost added into the game as well allowing us to get a clearer picture of whether or not we're winning the midfield battle or the battles all across the pitch. Goalkeepers have new save focus stats, such as save percentage and saves per 90 minutes. So we can begin to measure a keeper's performance a lot more accurately. We'll further statistical granularity to existing stats with per 90 and ratio variance across a number of key areas added into the game, allowing us to have create and develop more accurate comparisons there's a lot there isn't there there's a lot of a lot of heavy material there so what we can glean from is this the data fm21 is now a more integrated data driven approach possibly reducing our reliance on spreadsheets xg is expected goals so the, you know the percentage chance of your player scoring from each position that they take up so although your player might score the xg might only be 0.06 so it's a six percent chance of that shot going in and uh, we're seeing a clear and more redefined data throughout the match engine and then in regular monthly and end of season reports and new statistics have been added in to help define and uh, refine player positions and roles and performances far more accurately and measure them far better so that a defensive midfielder and a striker will not be measured based on the same um, formula because defensive midfield might win more tackles. Tackles might be worth less in the game than uh, goals or shots on goal that the, if the advance forward might have. So we're, we're seeing a, a much more balanced data-driven game being presented to us. Of course, we do have the kinks. FM Tahiti and FM Stagger pointed them out very clearly. And we probably can all see them as well if we're playing it. And of course that means that there's haters out there. And these haters are... Some people out there are just haters on Football Manager. The haters are just going to hate, 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 as Taylor Swift would say. And it's, you know, we have to accept that there's people out there that don't like FN21. Because while many people do profess their love for what the beta is and the potential of FN21, despite its known and unknown bugs, there are many out there who dislike the game who are against the game and you know are not shy about sharing and professing their dislike distaste and unhappiness with fm21's beta you know fair play to these people it's not easy to go against the grain i suppose as a community we all have different expectations opinions and manners of playing the game so for those who dislike the game i admire you for standing up in public space at twitter or slack or whatever forum it is if you use youtube and saying that, you know, while everyone else is, seems to be professing their love, that you seem to be one going against the grain. But, like, I suppose the only issue that's kind of arising from it is, you know, that you know, what, what the internet kind of brings out in people. Trolls, leeches, those unwilling to be civil and mature in discussions of what the beta has been and what FM21 could be. Now, a leopard might not change their spots but i'm encouraged by those who try to engage in mature discussions about the game with an understanding that you may not change minds 
But that everyone is, of course, entitled to their own opinion. And so I really admire those of you out there trying to make the community look and feel better with every passing day. To discuss, you know, people's dislikes and such with FM21. Their hatred, apparently, of it. And games going nowhere. And such, you know, I suppose drastic comments, potentially. But, you know, as Ian McIntosh said on his new podcast over on The Athletic, the jump between FM17 and FM21 has been significant. It's been incredible. We've seen the game evolve steadily from 18 to 19. The jump from 19 to 20. And now 20 to 21, you know, is showing us that SI are really striving to create something incredible, something special with each passing game. To create a game that's more captivating, cultivates a more realistic form of football for all of us to escape into. The evolution of data to form a central part of the manager's experience in Football Manager has to be admired. While it's not perfect, we can all see the potential that this new layer of gameplay can offer us. It can give us a greater understanding and develop our knowledge in the na- of the nature of modern football. Give us an insight into what many managers and assistant managers may see on the iPads, Microsoft Surfs, whatever technology it is that they use that are now you know, very visible on the sideline. Embracing technology has enabled Football Manager to grow as a game based and then as well based on the relationships they have with clubs, allowing clubs to become more data driven as well. But going forward, I suppose we can all see the depth of the game. And as crossovers begin to form between what's real and what's Football Manager, it can only help us as players become bigger lovers of the beautiful game both digitally on the screen and of course the real one that this version just tries to simulate now just before you head back off to your FM21 beta save before you go off maybe to crunch the numbers in the, in the data or leave your hate or positivity on social media why not leave a positive review if you've enjoyed this podcast or any previous episode don't be afraid to share it on your socials maybe your followers might might want to listen to this as well if you've really enjoyed it and you think it's something for them I don't know check out our site get in touch on Twitter the links are found down below thank you to all those people who voted and got involved with the um with the poll there today the weird interactions do form a vital part of the pod FM21 is due to release on November 24th, Tuesday. And just a reminder that I will be going live with a podcast at 4pm. I'm not sure where. It would probably be the FM Technical Areas YouTube channel. But I'll link that down below. Music for my podcast comes from Pond5. So if you want music like this to start your own one, because you think you could do a better job than me, and let's be honest, the bar is not that high. If you think that, if you want the music even for a uh, stream, if you want the music for an intro to your YouTube series, you want stock footage, videos, whatever, images, whatever, head over to Pond5. Not an ad, just credit where credit is due. Otherwise, thank you for listening.
I know it's not an easy time to be plodding about with your day-to-day life, but I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to me talk about Football Manager 21. FM20 is over. I just want to thank you for your openness, your welcome, and your you know interaction and feedback over the past version of Football Manager. As we go into a new year together, I'm excited for what we can all bring together and create as a community, individually, and that we should all celebrate each other's victories and, of course, commiserate in defeat. There's enough negativity and darkness in the world right now. And let's use FM21 to bring that little nice bit of light, put that happiness back on people's faces. We're all capable of doing it. Why not start with that? Just just that one person. So stay safe. Take care. Regards to yours. You and yours. And I'll talk to you on Tuesday. For a special episode of the Technical Area. But until then. Bye now. Thank you.